Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. So first up, let's crack on with these games. It is the Women's Super League. Now, not every team played, but there were some interesting results. Um, in fact, I've not done an intro, I've just realised. <laughs> I was just thinking, you're missing something, Angelina. You've not done something, you've not done something. Um, okay, let's start again, guys. Deep breaths. We're all in this together, it's fine. Um, okay. Hey everybody, we are back with the Women's Football Podcast and I am actually going to introduce everybody as I have messed up once or twice, but today we are joined, of course, by Ollie Dressler. How are you doing? Hello, I'm very amused. <laughs> and of course, we also have Lewis Ambrose. How are things? Hello, it's so, so lovely to be introduced. I know. <laughs> <laughs> It, I mean, those podcast hosts that don't introduce people, they really need to take a long, hard look at themselves, just saying. <laughs> but that does not happen here, clearly. Um, I mean, let's crack on now that you are both introduced. Um, we've got the Women's Super League. Um, not every team played, but there were some interesting results. Um, Manchester City and Arsenal, they both got those big 4-0 victories, which I think were kind of expected that both teams would collect three points, really. Um, but in the middle of the table, there was a great battle between Everton and Spurs. Um, and one player that had a cracking game was Jill Scott. I mean, she's had a brilliant week. She got a 150th cap for England and she scored the winning goal for Everton in this game. Um, she is, of course, back in Merseyside on loan for Manchester City. Lewis, what kind of impact do you think Jill has had on Everton? Well, I think having a player like that is, is a massive impact because you get all of their, as well as their quality, their ability, you get all of their experience and their know-how as well. And it's so huge for the rest of the players at the club. I think so, you know, rather than listen to me talk about it, I thought I'd have a look at, at what Willie Kirk said after the game. Uh, and he said as well, you know, Jill's made a huge difference since she's come in. She's fantastic to have as a part of the group and she's so infectious with her enthusiasm and energy. The standard of her training and performances in terms of ball retention and game management will mean she has a long-term impact on this club. And I think that sums it up. It, you've got the quality of the player right there and you'll see that every weekend for however long she's there. But the the things she'll teach or the things that will be learnt from her teammates just by playing with her and just, by train, uh, just from training with her every day is massive for Everton. Yeah, I agree. I think she brings so many different qualities and, you know, I guess being that older player, the amount of, um, you know, advice and, and support that she can give those younger players as well, you know, it is massive um, and she's a fantastic player and congrats to her for, for a great week. Um, now, Spurs did try to fight back against Everton. They did play well, um, you know, to go from 2-0 down to being able to get those two goals back. Obviously, Everton then won 3-2. But, Ollie, do you think that this shows that Spurs do have that good spirit and that good mentality to fight back and perhaps they're just lacking a little bit of quality? Yeah, I think that sums it up quite well. Um, I would be super frustrated as a Tottenham player after that game and, yeah, losing again by one goal to Everton when you think you could have taken something from the game and also to quote their coach 
Rianne Gerrard said after the game that she saw a lot of positive things in the in the team and yeah their mentality and how they stood up against the defeat and yeah I think she was also quite frustrated but there is definitely a learning curve and uh, yeah I think you can just see that this team or the squad in general is not quite there yet where you know the top clubs of the of the league are and even bringing in a superstar like Alex Morgan hasn't really you know given the team a boost that you could probably see from uh, other US national team stars joining other uh, clubs in the league so yeah I think um, also what Lewis said about just got her impact for Everton probably there was some impact that Alex Morgan had on the Tottenham team as well but um, yeah it's it's probably due to a lack of experience and quality in that team that they are still kind of losing that tight games and are not quite there where they want to be. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I mean, like you've just said, Spurs aren't really quite there yet. You could argue that Everton also, you know, aren't quite there regarding battling with the likes of Arsenal and Manchester United for that um kind of third spot I guess um do you um Lewis do you think that fans can be hopeful that one day these teams will get there yeah I think it just takes time you know and I think Everton in particular are close enough that you sort of look at it and you think it only takes one good season or a couple of good transfer windows and they will be right there with Arsenal Manchester United we've seen with Manchester United how quickly it can happen and I think Everton as well, they've had, firstly, they've just had an excellent season. They have got mostly quite a young team. And having lost you know, Chloe Kelly to Manchester City in the summer, to I personally, I didn't expect them to already look this good this season. So the fact that they've, they're there, they've fallen off a bit the last couple of months, but they were there with United sort of chasing that normal top three for the first few months of the season. I think there's a lot to come from Everton still and we're just sort of seeing the beginning of that. Yeah, um, I I agree with that. And, you know, like you've touched on there, it, it's not been easy for Everton. It's been um, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. You know, obviously in 2014, they were relegated. Um, by the 2017-18 season, they were back in the top flight, of course, when Knox County folded um, and they were awarded a place in the league. Um, it's been a bit of a slow climb at times, um, you know, since they've been back. Um, they're currently in fifth place. Um, in the summer, of course, like you mentioned, um, they lost Chloe Kelly to Manchester City. They did bring in some reinforcements. Ollie, do you think that, you know, like Louis said, there were times when they were competing, you know, and chasing United, etc. Do you think that had there not been so many injuries to the likes of Gabby George, uh, Claire Emsley... Ricky Sivek, uh, Valerie Govin, do you think that it would have been a more successful season? Well, that's an interesting thought. And yeah, I think there's a saying that goes like, the what ifs will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and this is probably what's going on for Evertonians right now. Um, of course, you wonder how would they have, uh, or how would they rank right now if all these players didn't get an injury, maybe if they even got just got earlier this season, like not in the winter transfer window. And 
Um, on the other hand, I try to look at things positively there. And I would say still being fifth with all these players missing and still being in touch with, you know, the let's say the top four of the league is so far still a very much okay achievement in that season for that Everton team, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I, I get what you mean there, I guess. If you look at it positively, yeah, if you take all of that into account to still be, um, you know, performing the way that they've been performing is, is still a positive to take. Um, and of course, for Spurs, um, it's been a bit of a crazy season. Back in November, coaches Karen Hild and Juan Amoros were dismissed. Um, England assistant Rianne Skinner took over. Um, you know, earlier in her career, you know, she's worked with Leicester City, um, including as the first, the women's first team manager. She's been at Arsenal as the ladies' first team assistant manager. Lewis, how do you think she's doing so far at Spurs? She's doing fine. I think we've, we've talked about, you know, Alex Morgan isn't there anymore. So the squad is sort of not as strong as it was maybe a couple of months ago and back to where it was at the beginning of the season. It's just going to take time. I think the the top four in particular in the WSL are so far ahead and then I think Everton are by far the, the next closest team to bridging that gap. Spurs have had a pretty poor season so far. They've not scored enough goals. They've lost too many games. It is just going to take a little while. They they started a little bit better after she took over. Then the results have sort of gone off again the last few weeks. And they'll be they'd have been really disappointed to have lost to Aston Villa as well. But yeah, it, it's not going to be an overnight thing. And this time, sort of halfway through next season, is when we might have a, a real idea of the job that she's managing to do there. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens next season, definitely. And, um, you know, one good piece of news for Spurs fans, if you are listening, um, is that Jessica Naz, she's been dubbed as this young star in the making and she has pledged her allegiance to Spurs and she signed a new deal. Now, the England under-19, she came up through the ranks at Spurs. She left for your club, Lewis, over to Arsenal, um, but she sacked you off. <laughs> she returned to Spurs in 2018 um, but last season she was completely out. She had a serious ACL injury, but luckily she's back. She's got full fitness. Spurs have been slowly introducing her back into the action um, and they believe that she is going to be a significant contributor for the team going forward. Now, when you look at them going forward, Spurs are not scoring a lot of goals. Um, I think I, I checked and no player in the league has scored more than two goals. Um so, Ollie, do you think that somebody like Naz coming back to full fitness will help? I mean, I guess we don't really know 100% what she's capable of. Do you think, you know, a player like that, um, you know, that is young and hungry will maybe help things? Or there's only so much she can do coming back from injury and maybe they do need to look at um, getting some more goals? Yeah, I mean, of course, you have always to be... Uh a bit careful with players coming back from injury um, even or especially at that young age and you know you have to regain trust in your in your own abilities and definitely in your own body and everything but on the other hand I think uh, you know an injury can also be a, a learning curve or a opportunity to grow for a player and yeah as I said the footsteps right now are not that huge in this birds team with you know, two goals as top scorer for the team. So I think 
or I hope that she could really have that impact and she she's not up for no reason, as you said, as this promising uh, next star. So, um, yeah, I mean, you never should uh, put too much high hopes or hopes on someone's shoulders that is that young and comes back from an injury, obviously, and she won't solve every problem the Spurs have. But, yeah, I think she can really be a key player to uh, improve the whole performance and maybe take this team to the next level that they are looking to reach at the moment. Yeah, well, you know, here's maybe Lewis doesn't agree with me saying here's hoping um, that Spurs get better. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what your opinion is, but um, maybe you're happy with where they are now. But, um, but yeah, no, you mean, I'm. You mean where they belong? Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Shots fired. Where they belong? Nasty. I mean, it's we're only 13 minutes in, and it's <laughs> it's getting dirty already. This like. Shots are being fired. Um, but yeah, I mean, we all like to see teams play well, uh, most of us. Um, so yeah, I mean, let's hope that things are a little bit better next season. Um, switching gears now, heading over to Syria. Um, it was pretty much business as usual. Um, Juventus got a 3-1 win over San Marino. Of course, AC Milan got that 6-1 win over Bari. Lewis, Bari have been floating around at the bottom of the table for the last few years. Um, it's not looking good. <laughs> they don't really seem to be making the improvements and making the moves that they need to. I think, can we all agree that it seems like their time is finally up in the league? Yeah, it's not looking good. It's, I'd, I'd go as far to say it looks very bad. Mm. Um, yeah, three points from 14 games all season and there are eight left. It's very hard to see them picking up the two or probably even three wins that they will probably need now to, to manage to stay up. So, yeah, it, it does look very bad for them. Yeah. Um, I mean, looking at some other teams in the table, um, Sassuolo, they're on 31 points. AC Milan are on 39. Um, Sassuolo got a win against Napoli over the weekend. Oli, do you think that there is any way of Sassuolo getting that second spot? Um, or do you think that there is a bit of a clear gap between Juventus and Milan and the rest of the league? Um, yeah, I think there's definitely this, this gap between these two teams and the rest of the, uh, the, the league. Um, obviously, it's, it's nice to see Sassuolo both in the women and the men's game to you know, kind of annoy the bigger clubs, the, yeah. the establishment of Italian football. Um, but yeah, but I think... There is no no way that they can catch up to these two teams. They've been so dominant in the whole season, and yeah, not conceding a lot of goals and scoring a lot of goals. And there's, I think, there's no way that Sassuolo can climb even higher. I mean, it's amazing uh, to be in third place right now. And uh, yeah, don't get me wrong, but yeah, as I said, the gap is, I think, too too much to uh, keep up. Yeah, uh, I'd probably tend to agree with that. Um, now, since Milan's arrival in the league, um, I guess for me, you, you could kind of draw um, a slight, slight comparison maybe to Manchester United in the, the way they've come into the Women's Super League. You know, they've kind of established themselves pretty, you know, high as in they're in it to try and win and stuff like that. And Milan have probably, you know, done even better than that um you know since their arrival they've managed to stick around that third spot um their manager Mauricio Gans you know doing a great job he was appointed back in June 2019 on a two-year contract um 
Lewis, do you envisage him staying at the club? Do you think that he's proven himself? Yeah, for sure. I think Milan, of the, over the past few years, you see that progression and it's not you know not winning the league the last or last season or this season if they don't win the league they're obviously still three points behind Juventus um, it's nothing to do with Milan not being good enough or not being a, a top team it's all to do with how dominant Juventus has been so really I think so far this season we've seen both of them the only points they've dropped for Milan have been losing to Juventus Juventus won every single game it's it's sort of similar now to that situation between Lyon and PSG, I guess, in France, where you almost expect both teams to win every single match, and then the matches against each other is just going to be the ones that decide where the title ends up. So they've, you know, the last two years you've seen Milan they've leapfrogged Fiorentina to become Juve's biggest competitors, and I'm not really sure there's much more they could be doing to push Juventus every single week. Yeah, um, I agree, and I think just just them being able to push them eventually. I don't know. I feel like something's got to give eventually. Like, but I think you know if they carry on doing what they're doing, like you say, it's it's not that they're performing badly or anything. They're doing everything to the best of their ability, and I guess they've just got to trust in that. Um, like you said, there were three points between Juventus and AC Milan. For those that don't know, they of course play each other this weekend on Sunday. Um, They've both been playing excellent, as we've said. Ollie, do you think that in the long run, being knocked out of the Champions League has maybe helped Juventus stay fully focused on the league, on winning it, on playing to the best of their ability and focusing on that? Or do you think that they're still a little bit salty, maybe hurting a little bit and <laughs> thinking, no, we still should be in that competition? No, I don't think so. I think if you're still hurting from that... Uh... From the defeat against the reigning champions or holders then you're probably more a supporter i think the players have uh, moved on already and yeah. they should at least they should have moved on already <laughs> and yeah draw draw the uh, motivation maybe from that and yeah i guess you can see that they took some motivation from that defeat and yeah they're flying for the lead they're, they're super dominant and yeah i think what louis said with milan pushing them to be like on their breast week in week out and win every single game because they can't you know took the took the foot from the pedal because milan is in their in their back so yeah i think these two factors like maybe the extra motivation from being super close to beating Lyon, but also having milan you know right behind you this is really driving this juventus team right now and i i mean it's all as we said probably down to that one match on the weekend but i don't really see them slipping the title they are they just seem too strong for me yeah um i i do like the idea though that they're still all a little bit fuming about that Leon <laughs> game and they're still bringing it up and looking at each other like well if you'd have made that pass then that wouldn't have happened you know um but no i i agree with you i do think that um i'm sure as a professional you have to get over things and keep it moving um but I guess in my own head, it would be quite funny if they were still fuming. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, you know, you've got um, Cristiano Girelli, you've got Valentina, um, Giancinte, both scored at the weekend. They both scored for Italy. You know, we have talked about these players on and off on the podcast. Their form is fantastic. Lewis, just how vital are each of these players to their respective clubs? Huge. They're 
they're the player, you know, they're the player that, that delivers the goods week in, week out. They're two of the major reasons why these two are at the top of the league. I think I would say probably uh, Giacinti is a bit more important to Milan than Girali is to Juventus, not because she's better or anything, but because Juventus have more players who can step up as well. Lina Hurtig or Barbara Bonanzea, there, you know, the Ariana Caruso. There are other players there that can deliver if they were without Girelli for a while. Milan, it's harder to see that sort of supporting cast, but still, you you can't take anything away from Girelli just because of the teammates that are around her. These are the two leading ladies in Italian football. Yeah, I, I agree. They are, you know, massive for their clubs, massive for the game. Um, you know, like I say, they both scored for Italy, massive for their country as well. Um, and I think it's just great to see um, two brilliant players uh, playing in the same league, kind of going head to head with e- with each other. It'll be really interesting to see what happens in the game. Um, you know, it's one of the biggest games in women's football, let's be honest. Um, Ollie, how do you see this game playing out? Because I'll be honest, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, me too. And I, I can tell you how I see myself playing out that night or that day. <laughs> I will definitely sit on the couch with a big pizza. Yeah. And, you know, to get some cliche in there. No, but <laughs> seriously, I expect this game to be pretty much like the first encounter where Juventus won 1-0 by a penalty. And as I said before, both have a, again, a football cliche, a great Italian defensive record. It's, you know... It's a cliche, Catenaccio and so on, but they they won't concede, I think, in that game. Um, maybe Milan has a little bit more to um, to throw in or has to throw a little bit more in because they have to catch Juventus and they can't play for a nil which also Juventus, I don't think, will do because that's not really their mentality. They also score a lot of goals, both teams. But um, yeah, I think... This will really be down to who makes one mistake and then the other one has to, you know, do the right thing and uh, profit from that. But if you want to get a prediction from me, I would say it's going to be a very, very exciting nil-nil and still worth watching. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, in my head, I'm thinking it's going to be goals left, right and centre and then you're giving me a nil-nil. But if you say it's still going to be exciting, then... Fair enough. I mean, Lewis, do you agree? Do you reckon it's going to be a nil-niller? <sighs> so often these big games just are because everybody's everybody knows that mistake could be the crucial mistake if you if you go on to lose. I don't know. Uh, no, I I think it'll be tight, but I think more sort of two-nil. I think somebody will will get the opening goal and then manage to get another one on the break, maybe. Oh, see, as we know, I'm very indecisive, so I'm not too sure if I can decide. But um, I'd like to see maybe taking inspiration, Ollie, from an exciting nil-nil and then we get like a last-minute goal that breaks hearts. Who's going to score it? I don't know. I don't know which team. Um, I guess a part of me, I think it would be really interesting to see if AC Milan did win the game um, and just to see how, you know, that would affect things. But... Whatever happens, um, you know, it's going to be an exciting one. Um, 
I mean, heading over to Spain now, um, and it's it's pretty exciting in Spain. It is all to play for in those Champions League spots. Um, Atletico Madrid are currently in third place um, at the time that we're recording, um, ahead of Real Madrid on goal difference after Las Blancas lost 3-1 to Real Sociedad. But all is not lost. Um, they have a game in hand and they do play this week against Logroño. Um, as the game continued, um, it was a bit of an uphill battle for Real Madrid. Um, they did try to create chances, but you really did see them struggling at times. Um, Lewis, how important do you think this win was for Real Sociedad to, you know, to beat Real Madrid, um, especially after that 3-2 loss against Levante and their 1-1 draw against Madrid last month? Um, how important do you think it's been? It was really big because it just keeps them alive as well. You mentioned how exciting that Champions League race is. You've got Madrid and, and in fourth behind Atletico and they're both on 38 points. Madrid are on 38 points as well. And then you've got Tenerife and uh, Real Sociedad on 35 and 34 points. So anything but a win on, at the weekend would have really seen Real Sociedad's season end, you know, even with a bunch of games, 15 games, something like that left to play in Spain still. But the fact that they managed to win, it keeps them right there. That that race sort of for, for third or maybe even second if Levante drop off as well, there's a good like five or six teams there that are going to fancy their chances and they are still one of them. Yeah, I agree. It is exciting and I'd, I don't think I could call it, to be honest. Um, I mean, on the score sheet was um, Sani Franzi. We've spoken about her in other podcasts um, and about whether she will be able to relieve um, Garcia of some of her responsibilities. Oli, um, Frenzy has eight goals so far. Um, do you think that it may take her a little bit of time to spe- to settle into Spanish football? Um, and maybe it might be that we see her best next season, um, you know, knowing what she is actually capable of. Yeah, maybe we will. But I think she's already doing quite all right. She, I think by the turn of the year, she already scored four as well. And we will probably see even more in 20. 20- 21 um so yeah i think for yeah first season in spain she's doing quite fine and i i can only imagine her being even more crucial for the team next season when she has you know all that experience from your first year in the in the team and already know the players better and also knowing your role inside the team and how the team is going to play so um yeah i think we will maybe see the last 10 or 20% of what she's capable of uh, next season. Yeah, I think it's always exciting when you see a player, um, you know, do well in their first season and then think like, you know, next season you're maybe going to see even more of that player because like you say, they've had that time to settle in and get to grips with everything. Um, So yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to her next season. Um, Now, Lewis, it's Real Madrid's first official season in the league. Um, how do you think it's gone so far? Do you think that this team has done enough to prove themselves um, this season to be worthy contenders? Not necessarily, you know, beating Barcelona, because I think we are a little bit of a way off that. Um, but just to be contenders in the mix, because, you know, they are up there. Yeah, absolutely. And well, we're sitting here, if they win their game or even get a draw in their game in hand, they're above Atletico Madrid. And Atletico have been in the Champions League for years now. They've been the team that have been competing with Barcelona at the top of the 
think only Barcelona and Levante have scored more goals than Real Madrid this season. I think for a first season, it's pretty incredible what they're doing, what they're managing to put together. Definitely. Um, you know, hats off to them. Um, I'm sure if Alejandro is listening, our Real Madrid fan, <laughs> he'll be very happy about all of this. And I'm sure we'll we'll get his thoughts towards the end of the season, maybe have a Real Madrid special. Um, but um, elsewhere, you know, like you've mentioned, Levante and Barcelona, they both took three points each from their games. Um, you know, pretty standard for them. Um, Ollie, do you think the pressure is on now for Atletico at the moment? They face Chelsea um, in the Champions League. Um, they now have a very tight battle at the top of La Liga if they want to make it into those top three spaces. So, yeah, do you think that the pressure is really on now? Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I think they they are not entirely happy with the season right now. And I think this is now the, the point of the season where it kind of goes into crunch time and they have to prove... Um, what yeah what does pressure to our team or to us like can we can we benefit from that and motivate ourselves from that and um yeah compete with these teams and in the end reach our goals that we have set or is it maybe a little bit too much and are there are there maybe problems in the team where is it not always working out for us why are we dropping points and yeah i think there is probably the most pressure right now in, in the league on Atletico because they are still expected, I think, to end over the local rivals. And uh, yeah, for Real, it's the first season and they would, uh, I guess, very heavily overtook Atletico. And in that scenario, I think the, the pressure is definitely on Atletico. And of course, they face Chelsea in the Champions League. And I wouldn't say it would be a disaster if they, if they lose to that amazing Chelsea team. But uh, just looking at the stage of the tournament, it would be, you know, probably a big disappointment for Atletico to go out already that early. So, yeah, I think it's really the weeks of truth for them right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, touching on the Champions League, um, I mentioned Barcelona before. They have got their Champions League game this week and this week. Um, I think that we obviously gave our thoughts on the Champions League fixtures. It does seem like this should be, you know, a dead cert for them. Um, and it seems like they're pretty certain, I think we're all pretty certain of how it's going to go in the league. Um, so, Lewis, do you see them really pushing to perform well in Europe? You know, they got to the semi-finals last year. Like I say, you can pretty much say that they've won the league um, in Spain. So do you think that we're really going to see them focusing on Europe? I think so. And, um, well, there's if they've got the choice between making sure they keep winning their, their league games or going for it maybe in, in the odd Champions League game and resting players in the leagues, and that's a no-brainer. They're going to have to go for the Champions League. And then we'll see where they are. I mean, they've not really been challenged in the, in La Liga, in the in the Spanish league so far this season. We'll have a much better idea of where they're really at in relation to, you know, Lyon, PSG, Chelsea, maybe Manchester City, when they come up against those teams. And I think maybe the biggest challenge for them is going to be how they manage to do against those teams. They've 
you know, when you when Chelsea and Man City are used to playing against each other, Lyon and PSG are used to playing against each other. Barcelona haven't really had that domestic test so far this season. So, can they deliver and sort of rise to the occasion when the opponent is at their level? That will be the big question for them. Definitely, and I think it's it will be really exciting to see. I know um, in a previous podcast, I was I was rooting for Barcelona. Then I got a bit confused, and I wasn't too sure who to pick. <laughs> but um, I do think it's going to be exciting. Um, and to finish off, of course, as we mentioned, Atletico face Chelsea in the Champions League. Guys, what are your predictions for the first leg? Because this is arguably the blockbuster um, in this round of the Champions League. So. What's going to happen? Um, yeah, if I can start, I think what Lewis just mentioned is is very true that now the like the big teams that are flying through their through their seasons in in the domestic leagues are now clashing each other in the Champions League, and it's going to be very exciting to see how this turns out. Like uh, as you said, Lewis, in relation to each other, and I think for Atletico against Chelsea. Um, yeah, after, after I maybe made a little bit more depressing prediction for the Juve-Milan game. This time, I would say it's going to be a lot of goals. Just, I mean, it's even even though it's just the first leg, I still feel like there's going to be like an early goal and then the other team has to bounce back and then it will go back and forth. So I would say there's a lot of goals, but I feel like one more goal for Chelsea in the end. Oh, what do you reckon, Lewis? I I think Chelsea are going to come out of this one looking pretty good. I think maybe even a two or three goal win. Okay. You've, you've gone there, right. Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think Atletico could maybe surprise at times. Um, I, I get what you mean because you look at Chelsea and the way that they're playing in the Women's Super League, they have been on fire, but... I don't know. I've just got a feeling maybe I'm not going to completely write Atletico Madrid off. Maybe I think if Atletico don't win this first leg, I feel like that could maybe give them a bit of a push. I'm not too sure. Or maybe if they don't perform how they want to, I think that they'll then go into that second leg even hungrier because, you know, they are still, you know, an exciting team. They have won a cup. Um Oh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I feel like you guys have been a bit more Chelsea heavy, so I've got to come out for <laughs> Atletico. Do you know what I mean? I've got to back them. Um, but, um, I mean, it's nothing to do with the fact that Chelsea, you know, and Manchester United don't, you know, things things aren't really vibing. They've knocked us off the top. It's nothing to do with that. I'm not being biased, I promise. Um, but, no, I, I think whatever happens, it will certainly be an exciting game. Um, and I'm sure once we've got out of this round of the Champions League. We'll be chatting even more. Whoever goes through, we'll have to wait and see. But I've got a good feeling about this Champions League competition this season. So for our next part of the podcast, we have decided to switch things up a bit with the Champions League on the horizon. We are talking to none other than Kylie Strom, Atletico Madrid defender, who obviously joined us on the podcast a few weeks ago. She is back. Thank you so much for joining us. How are things? No, thanks for having me. Things things are good, yeah. Excited for Champions League, for sure. Of course. Um, I mean, things on the whole have been going well for Atletico. You guys have got a very busy schedule at the moment, including this Champions League meeting with um, the Women's Super League leaders, Chelsea. Um, 
How did you feel when this draw was made? Because it's arguably the blockbuster fixture of this round. We knew going into the draw that our possibilities were Chelsea, obviously, Man City, PSG or Lyon. So we were kind of like, all right, like pick your poison, you know, <laughs> like we, we were mentally prepared for a very difficult game. And yeah, I remember we were in the weight room um, doing a, a lifting session when we found out that it was Chelsea. And yeah, I mean, everybody was just kind of like, all right, you know, we, we expected it was going to be a tough game, um, you know, business as usual. And then I think for our next set of lifting, everybody added maybe 10 more kilos or something <laughs> to <laughs> make sure you know had a a little extra motivation and yeah knew that we had to you know get down to work and and grind for sure but but no weights were thrown in in anger or anything like that it was all good right (laughs) all all good yeah all good very calm and then yeah silently just saw everybody added that extra weight (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean Chelsea of course have been on absolute fire Um, they had for such a long period this longest unbeaten streak in the Women's Super League Um, the top of the table like I mentioned they do have some great players that we've spoke about on the podcast you know before over the weeks so who stands out to you as probably the player that you'll be keeping an extra close eye on for me specifically, uh, you know, I'm a left back. So, you know, Fran Kirby playing on that right wing yeah. is obviously an incredible player, you know, crossing, finishing, she's rapid, you know, can kind of do it all. You know, I know she picked up a little knock in their last game against Bristol, um, I believe, and missed out on um, international camp as well. Um you know, so we'll see if she's fit and available. And I mean, even if she's not, you know, then they have harder cur again, like pick your poison. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the challenge for sure. Yeah, this is the thing. It's kind of like when one gets knocked down, there's another equally strong player, you know, waiting in the wings. Um, I guess that's the thing about Chelsea at the moment is there are so many great players across the pitch. Um, but, you know, Atletico, you guys have also had your fair share of victories. Um, do you think that the wins that you've had, obviously, in the cup competition, winning the cup, you know, beating Levante, beating Barcelona... Do you think that those kind of games and the mentality that you have to have for those kind of big games, do you think that that will serve as inspiration going into this Champions League game? 100%. Um, I think, you know, winning those games were super important for us. Um, You know, I personally consider Barcelona as one of the top teams in Europe and the fact that we were able to compete with them and beat them. Um, you know, we can always fall back on that. We know we can compete with these top teams. And yeah, so nobody can take that away from us. So we're we're really excited to hopefully we can carry that momentum. And, you know, we're the underdogs, so um, have nothing to lose, really. I mean, you, you say like you guys are kind of the underdogs and I, I get... I get what you're saying in that if you look, obviously, they are top of the table. They've had this, um, you know, this great run and everything. But I just feel like, you know, beating Barcelona, that's got to have you feeling a little bit of an extra confidence boost going into it. Like, yeah, they might be good, but we did beat Barcelona. So, you know. Yeah, exactly. Anything, anything can happen. You know, we have that in our in our back pocket. So um, in, in that game, obviously, was really tough for us. But if we can play like we did there and you know, stick to the game plan, we, we can definitely come out on top. 
Yeah. Um, now, I know before we hit record, we were talking, you have been doing your homework on Chelsea. Um, what are you expecting, not just necessarily you, but as a team as a whole, what are you expecting from Chelsea? What are you going into this game thinking about? Yeah, I mean, it's it's no secret that uh, they've come out right and said, you know, they want to win Champions League. That's that's a goal of theirs this season. And you can see, you know, they've made all of these big signings and made all of these changes. So um, we know that it's going to be a tough task, but, um, you know, we're preparing well. We, we know all of the players, the ins and outs. And, yeah, we're expecting them to, to come out and, and play like a top team. And we're going to do everything to, to kind of get in the way of that. Definitely. Um, now, if people are listening to this podcast who perhaps maybe women's Super League fans, maybe Chelsea fans, or maybe haven't seen much of the Spanish league, um, what would you say to fans? What can, what can fans expect to see from Atletico Madrid in this fixture? What I really love about uh, Atletico, this club, is they really do take pride. We really take pride in being Atletico and playing the Atletico way. And I mean, even similar to the men's side, I think that goes along with, you know, we play with pride and passion and a lot of emotion and, and fight. So even though we may not, you know, have a star studded roster like uh, Chelsea, um, we're going to fight and grind and it's, it's going to be a battle. We're not, we're not going to go down without a fight. Good. I like that mentality. I like that fighting mentality, 100%. Um, now, of course, you play with Tony Duggan. Um, she played against Chelsea during her time in the Women's Super League. Fair enough, a few years ago, but obviously still did face them. Um, has she given you any tips? Does she have any inside info, do you reckon? Yeah, obviously Tony is, you know, really familiar with the English League, the English players. Um, so I think... You know, we're going to be picking her brain for sure over these next few days leading up to the game. Um, and also our goalkeeper, Hedvig Lindahl, she um, played at Chelsea for a few years uh, recently. So before coming, uh, before going to Wolfsburg and then coming here. So she kind of knows the ins and outs of Chelsea as well. So I think those are definitely going to be advantages for us. So, I mean, God forbid if, if there's any penalties... Really, she should be feeling pretty confident then. Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> I have full confidence. I mean, if we we beat Barca in penalties, so if we could go to penalties with Chelsea, you know, my, my money's on, on Hedwig all the way. Brilliant. I, I mean, hopefully it doesn't come to penalties because, I mean, I don't know how you feel, but for me, penalties, it's just too stressful. Is it the same kind of vibe as a player or are there times when you think, mm, penalty shootout or... Like, this could be quite interesting. Oh, my gosh, no. Penalties are... <laughs> I, in our recent... Um, in the Supercopa, when we went to penalties, I was injured. So I was on the... I was in the stands, and I have, a, like, a whoop band that measures my heart rate, you know? Yeah. And, and afterwards, <laughs> it was like, oh, you registered an activity. Like, my heart rate was so high that it was like, oh, what were you doing for... I was like, oh, I was just watching penalty kicks. Like, my stress level just... <laughs> Just watching, I wasn't even taking one, just watching went from zero to 200, you know. So yeah, penalties are never fun. Hopefully we can get the job done before that. Fingers crossed for you. Um, now, 
obviously you are very busy but do you manage to watch any women's super league or do you follow it at all and have any clubs apart from Chelsea impressed you so far this season? I mean, just saying I'm a Manchester United fan if you want to say anything nice about them. But um, are there any any other teams? Um, yeah, I actually watch quite a bit of the Women's Super League. I, I think the league's great. And what the FA player has done to make it so widely accessible and available and so easy to stream, like, why wouldn't you watch it, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. I know you're a Man United fan, but even before I knew that, I would say United. I've been really, really impressed with them. And, you know, the fact that it's their first time in the league. And, you know, it's it's difficult to, to build a team from scratch. So I think the future is really bright for them. See, you know what, Kylie? I knew there was a reason that I liked you and that positivity about my team, that has just made my day. But I'm, I think even, even me taking the bias out of it, I do think that when you look at Manchester United and what they have achieved in a short space of time, and I think getting a manager, you know, somebody like Casey Stoney, who is so legendary in the game, um, and, you know, the players that, that we've, that we've had that have come and gone um, just maybe for that experience with with Manchester United, you know, players like Alex Greenwood, for example, and and the players that we've got now, really, I think it is, um, you know, it is a really good time to be um, a Manchester United fan. And I, I agree with you in that the future definitely looks bright. And I, whilst I don't think that I've unfortunately had to admit defeat that we're probably not going to win <laughs> the season because, you know, you've got Chelsea, Manchester City, etc. But Definitely, we're going to be up there um, and hopefully we will have a Champions League spot one day. But I don't want to get myself too excited because I've done that over the years. I've done it with the men's team and it, it upsets me. I can't deal with it. So I try not to get too excited. Um, yeah, yeah. Keep your expectations low and then anything more is, you can celebrate. Exactly. But yeah, I, I, can, I can come back on the show again then with my yeah. Man United answer. Yes, and now that you've given me that answer, you are welcome anytime <laughs> great <laughs> now um another question that I wanted to ask you and I've, I've asked um people in in different sports like footballers boxers etc I always like to ask this question but for for big games um you know for a Champions League game do you have any pre-game rituals or do you have any superstitions or anything that you like to do to get yourself in that mindset I don't know if you're familiar with the office the U.S. version though. yeah I don't know if it's as good with, uh, as the UK version, but the US version, Michael Scott, he has a quote that says, I'm not superstitious, but I'm a little stitious. <laughs> and that quote kind of like, I resonate with that. Uh, I went through a phase where like, if I posted on social media, like game day, like before the game, then we would like lose or tie or have a bad game. And I was like, oh, it's because I posted that game day, you know? <laughs> but then... <laughs> I got over that. I was like, okay, that's, there's no correlation between that. So now I, I've started posting again and, and we've won and had good games. So no worries. But um, no, now I just kind of treat Champions League, honestly, like any other game. You know, I like to eat similar things before games. Yeah. I have coffee on, I have coffee on game days. I'm not a, a coffee drinker, but I like to have it on game days to give me that extra boost. But yeah, I mean, other than that, like preparation, preparation wise, it's the same, but um, yeah, Champions League, it, it really does feel like a, a totally different thing compared to league games. 
you know, just midweek games under the lights. It, it, it's a special moment. Yeah, one one hundred percent. It definitely even even as a fan watching, you know, like when you've got a midweek Champions League game, um, it's like all you can think about. I mean, I remember even when you know being young, um, you know, when the Manchester United, when the men's team were you know doing well in the Champions League, going back to like two thousand and eight, for example. If you had a Wednesday night fixture or something, it's all you could think about. Like you'd be sat in school yeah. thinking, "Oh my God, it's the Champions League tonight." Um, so I could only imagine as a as a player what that must feel like. But I'm glad that your social media doesn't <laughs> have an impact on the club because I feel like if fans found out about that, they would. If that was a real thing and it was actually uh, your social media <laughs> affecting the results, fans would not be happy. Right. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> so we'll see if I if I post before this this Chelsea game. Yeah, I don't ju- know. just in case. <laughs> I was gonna say, what are you gonna do? Just in case, maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's not worth the risk. <laughs> okay, well, everyone, keep your eyes peeled on Kylie's <laughs> yeah. Instagram social media because I don't know what's gonna go on there. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, well, you know, I I am so excited for this game. Um. And of course, you know, this is the second time that I've spoken to you. Uh, I've got a lot of admiration for Atletico, especially winning that cup. Um, I feel like it was so important. And obviously being a Manchester United fan, wouldn't really be upset if Chelsea got knocked out of the competition. <laughs> Manchester City as well, maybe a bonus. But um, yeah. but yeah, 100%, you know, rooting for you guys. And I, I hope it's a brilliant game. Um, but of course, you know, the fun doesn't stop for you guys because in a few weeks, you're playing Real Madrid. <laughs> so how are you feeling about the fixture? Because obviously you guys are pretty much neck and neck in the table. Yeah, the Derby is a super, Massive. super important game. Super important game. Um, at this point, yeah, every every game in the league is, is important for us because it is such a, a close, uh, matchup between for those uh, top three spots. Um, I unfortunately missed out on the last derby we played because I was out um, injured. So I'm really excited, really, really excited for this next derby. Um, but right now, uh, I think our main focus is Chelsea, you know, one thing at a time, and then we'll be able to move our focus to, to the next thing. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I have, like I say, I've got my fingers and toes crossed for you guys. Um, not only for that Real Madrid fixture, it's going to be such an exciting game. I can't wait for that. But also for this Champions League game. And, you know, last time you were on the podcast, you spoke about how important the Champions League is for you guys and how, how you know, you want to do well in this competition and get as far as you possibly can. So we're definitely rooting for you guys and I wish you the best of luck. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. I'm going to do my best to, to help out uh, your Man United dream. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. That means a lot. <laughs> so that is the end of our women's football podcast. Big thanks as always to our guests, Lewis and Ollie, and of course to Kylie Strong from Atletico Madrid. Thank you to all of you for listening. And if you do want to get in touch, as always, the address is podcast at onefootball.com. Don't forget that you can head to iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you listen to all of your podcasts, really, to have a listen to some more of the One Football podcast.
Thank you.